Hey, good morning, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Rebel News Daily Livestream. I'm your host, Sheila Gunn-Reed, and since my friend Adam is on vacation this week, I'm joined by my fellow Rebel mom, Tamara Ugolini from Coburg, Ontario. Tamara, how's it going? Oh, pretty good. Manic Monday, as per usual around these parts. What about on your end, Sheila? How did I describe it? I have a case of the Mondays. <laughs> uh, when we had our little meeting before we went on air, I said, I got to do something to fix my mood before I go live because I was in a bit of a state. Um, maybe everybody can let us know in the chats. Is it just on my side? But I'm hearing a lot of like white noise crackling in my ear and I don't know if it's our mic setup or if it's the stream or if it's just something else going wrong on my end <laughs> maybe somebody could let me know um we've got a really really full day so we'll get to the things mm -hmm. we want to talk about um and we are all over the place for written house drag queens I mean it's just it's a lot and I feel like Tamara and I are going to be full of opinions um but we should tell everybody what we're doing um before we get there because uh, Tamara suggested topics that were for sure to get our YouTube channel killed. <laughs> so, yep. We just always, want to put always. that out there. Always. Tamara is the queen of the YouTube trailer for her videos. It's like, I don't even have to say, you know, maybe we should cut a YouTube trailer for Tamara's video and direct people to a different platform. Tamara just makes them because she knows everything she says is completely unsafe part. for YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> completely unsafe. So um, this is a Rebel News Daily live stream. And we stream on YouTube, but since YouTube is a censorship platform and has completely demonetized us, and we're on borrowed time all together over there, um, there may come a time in the show when Tamara really uh, gets freewheeling and we might have to cut the YouTube feed altogether because there are certain things we can't talk about over there, like questioning the advice of a public health officer or election integrity. There's a whole host of things that will either get you completely demonetized. For example, if you talk about climate change in uh, a way that doesn't entirely blame your first world existence and your SUV, they'll also demonetize you there. Like, I mean, it's just not on COVID that they have these weird rules. But, so we might have to cut the YouTube feed, but the good news is you can find us on other platforms. There's Getter where we stream every day, but if you want to interact with us and support the work that we do, there are three other platforms that don't care about your politics and we don't care about theirs either. And those are Rumble, Odyssey, and Super U. So Rumble, if you send us a Rumble rant, that's their version of a paid chat. It helps us keep the lights on, but it also lets you have your say and we'll read your rant on air. Odyssey, it's a hyper chat. And on Super U, it's a shout. So again, that's how you help us keep the lights on. We don't take any money from Justin Trudeau and YouTube demonetized us. Um, but it also helps you have your say because unlike the mainstream media who are also fully funded by Justin Trudeau, we care about what you have to say. We don't turn our comments section off. We invite your comments as a way to support us. So I think that's everything. Maybe let's get into Toronto's ongoing airport delays because we've got some clips from someone who is mm -hmm. on the ground. Uh, works for Barstool Sports. And I think he was coming from Edmonton uh, to the hellscape of Toronto's Pearson Airport. Um, and it was just a catastrophe. He said it's a, the like a war zone, like the worst he's ever seen. And boy, who could have figured that that's how things would turn out when you are laying off CBSA? Oh, did we lose Sheila? 
We may have lost Sheila. She might be frozen into outer space in her rural community. So let's just throw right to the clip and we'll try to reconnect with Sheila on this manic Monday that we're all, we all seem to be having. Hey guys, Wid here. I don't even really know where to explain. So for people telling me to drive, I can't drive. They have my bags, they won't give them back. So I had Edmonton to Toronto yesterday. I landed around three. I then had Toronto to Boston at 8.30. Customs was about three hours, got through, flight canceled from Toronto to Boston. All right, at this point now, I go and I see there is a 400 person line with two Air Canada workers. There's a million canceled flights, everyone's just panicking. So I waited in that line about six hours. At near the end of the line, by the way, you know how much my feet hurt? Be it near the end of the line, they closed it. They just said, oh, you have to go somewhere else. We had to re-enter Canada. We had to go through Canadian customs. So by the time I finally see someone from Air Canada, it's 1 a.m. I said, can I just get my bags? I had a ride to Buffalo all set up and I had a JetBlue flight from Buffalo. I just need to get out of this country, out of this airport. This is the worst airport on earth. I'm telling you, there's no other airport like this. So they say, no, 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 you can't have your bags. You, you, your bags are already like in the middle of no man's land. You can't have your bags. So we have a 8.50 flight for you from Toronto to Boston for this morning. This is, last, this is at 1 a.m. Okay, i be here at 5 a.m., they said. So I got here at 4.55, I wanted to be five minutes early. So I wanted to be three hours and 55 minutes early. I get here, this woman says, oh, we booked you actually on a flight from here to Montreal and then Montreal to Boston, but that leaves in 50 minutes and you can't make it. They never sent me an email. They just, I, I, I started laughing. I mean, what are, you, what are you gonna do? It was either that or like cry. So now I'm on a, so now I'm on a, a 10 a.m., but there's nobody really around the gate. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm so in shock at this place. It is the biggest disgrace known to man. I, so that's I, I always right. revert back to, like, if these people are traveling with children, can you imagine yeah. being stuck on a plane with small children for hours on end? I mean, this just reeks of chaos. And I think he also had some B-roll, too, didn't he, that, that he was showing yeah. of the airport itself? Yeah, I just sent that clip to Efron. Sorry. Yeah, I, I absolutely, even my internet has a case of the Mondays because of course it does. Um, but Ryan Whitney also sent a clip of uh, Pearson describing it as hell on earth. Look at that. Yeah, because for any Canadian who's on a no-fly list, we don't get to see any of this firsthand. Right. And this is... A this is international travelers too. So this is the customs line to re-enter Canada after he went through U.S. customs seven hours ago. So the problem is on the Canadian side. It's not the airport. It's not the American side. It is on the Canadian side. You can clear American customs, but then you get all bunged up once you get to the Canadian side because we laid off a bunch of customs officers or constructively fired them rather, laid off is a kind way to put what happened to them um, and inaccurate completely. And what, like, think about what it means when one customs officer is sick that day. It causes a huge lineup. 
Now you've laid off dozens across the country at major points of reentry. Now let's make that hundreds. And so when they say, oh, you know, staffing is staffing is uh, at an appropriate level. OK, maybe in the before times, but not when everybody has to do this public health theater dance at the airport mm -hmm. where you get pulled aside for random uh, COVID screenings. Everybody has to get temperature checks. It's like a laboratory down at the airport these days when it should be just a way to get through uh, customs and get onto your plane. And we actually have um, we had somebody from I think it was. Uh, I forget who it was, but we have that clip where they're saying this, our airports are not set up for this nonsense. This is not what they were designed to do. You're asking mm -hmm. them to do a thing that they're not designed to do. So yeah, of course, there's going to be massive delays. Yeah, the representative from Canada's tourism industry uh, said that it right. was never built Perfect to facilitate public health requirements. And I think namely, probably that the Arrive Can app. People are so confused, they don't realize that they even need this app and it's questionable whether or not they actually do. And I wonder too if maybe some of the pushback that these officials are receiving from individuals who don't want to consent to downloading this mandatory traveling app is what causes a lot of that, that backlog as well. Well, you know, I was thinking about my mother-in-law, God love her, and I always, I tease her because she's not exactly tech savvy and when she gets a new phone, it takes her the two years of the full contract to figure out what it's supposed to do. <laughs> like, how to use it, where your email is. It takes her two years to become fully um, ingratiated with the phone. And imagine now that someone like her has to download the ArriveCan app to get on an airplane and navigate this ArriveCan app to get to see her grandkids on Vancouver Island. And what happens now if you don't have a smartphone? If you are mm -hmm. just like checked out of technology altogether or you just have a flip phone or you have one of those not so smartphones um, that I see where they just only do a few little smartphone things, but not everything, which sounds like heaven if you were on vacation. Um, but what if you have one of those? You just don't get on a plane or you have to buy a new iPhone to get on a plane now? Well, exactly. And I and that's where I think there might be some hang up here. And for the people who are protesting, they don't want to comply. Sure. They don't want this this app that's going to track their every move for the next who knows how long if you can ever fully uninstall the thing. Um, I think that maybe handing out these fines and passing along, well, you're going to get in trouble. So you better download this app and I'm going to send you over to this guy because he's going to tell you even more how much you need this app. Uh, I think that there might be a lot of pushback happening and that's where you're starting to see the delays. And again, this is a Canadian specific problem. Um, it's not just that, that the airports weren't set up to facilitate public health requirements. It's that, it's that the health requirements are outdated. They're bogus. They don't make any sense. I mean, I don't know if we want to throw to the clip of the transport yeah, representative saying this. Yeah. Yeah. This is really about facilitating the smooth travel process. So this is backing up arrivals at our border. You're, th you're talking about, you know, if you just take the example of Pearson, 30,000 people coming through per day through our international arrivals into our facility. And it would normally take a customs agent 30 seconds to process that passenger when they're at their desk. It's, you know, it should take an international standard would be about 20 minutes to get through the line. And we're seeing much longer lines. We're seeing people 
backed up waiting on planes anywhere from 30 up to 75 minutes at peak times. So this is just unacceptable in terms of entry into Canada. And the reason is, is because each person has to be vetted in terms of health questions that are asked multiple times, both in the ArriveCan app also at the machine, by the customs agent at the desk, and then we need to decide, or the government agency needs to decide who is going to be randomly selected for testing. 4,000 people a day are randomly selected for testing, but we need to vet all 30,000 of those passengers into Pearson, 50,000 into our country. It's slowing down the process in terms of smooth arrivals into our country. Our airports were not built to facilitate public health requirements. They were built for the smooth, you know, transiting of passengers welcoming, welcoming into our country. So this is really what's backing up the system at our international arrivals. We were able to facilitate smooth travel pre-pandemic. We will be able to again if we didn't have these public health measures in place. Is there a staffing issue across, you know, aviation in general? Absolutely. We're all facing that shortage and working hard with our federal government agencies, our airline partners, Partners, our airports were all working hard to get people staffed up and, and back to work as quickly as possible as possible. So I think we're making efforts there. But even if we solved the staffing issue, we still have these public health requirements in place that are really limiting the smooth travel process at our international border. And that's what we're calling today to change. You know, right, um, in in more stories of disastrous apps, right? We we know that the yeah. uh, Tim Hortons app has just mindlessly tracked everyone and anyone who downloaded their app. Um, and yeah. now I guess uh, the government's mad about it, but here they are instituting yeah. this Arrive Can app. Yeah, you know that's as soon as I was uh, you were talking about the arrive can app and you know like how people are like maybe i don't want this government app tracking my data um if you don't think the government would do it your coffee company is doing it uh tim hortons got in trouble uh, irony of all ironies got in trouble from the federal government for tracking people's data without people knowing and the feds are all mad and i'm like you know what the feds did that they hired TELUS to scoop the user data of all their people so that they could know if people were complying with the uh, mandatory stay away from each other and lock yourself in your homes orders. They, were, they paid TELUS $200,000 to turn over that data since the start of the pandemic, but prior to the pandemic so that they could sort of compare where people were staying away from each other and if at when they instituted those stay away orders, if people actually complied. So they needed a baseline. So they called your phone company and your phone company said, yeah, we'll do it, but you gotta give us $200,000 first. They didn't even ask you for your permission. So I think it's pretty ironic that the federal government is getting on the case of Tim Hortons for doing the thing that the federal government just went around <laughs> the coffee company and just got the phone company to do it on their own. Um, but uh, the moral of the story is, if you don't think the government isn't tracking your data, uh, mm -hmm. of course they are. They were doing it before the ArriveCan app. And so the ArriveCan app, I think, just makes it a little easier. 
it makes it easier, but it also reinforces that there is justification to have distrust and have concerns around the mandating of downloading an app that is actually specific to tracking and ensuring your compliance with these public health measures that, as we've seen, do very little to actually stop the spread of COVID. Um, I hope I'm allowed to say that actually on YouTube, maybe. No, I think that's <laughs> actually I think that's actually a really good segue into um, the um, health minister, Jean-Yves Duclos, yes. because I'd sure like yes. to know where he's been lately, <laughs> because yeah, he's well, a bit of a viral it- vector. And isn't it ironic that our health minister in and of itself is speaking at a World Health Assembly. So literally all of the the global leaders, quote unquote, are are meeting to discuss health measures and pandemic response and preparedness. And so he is is one of the uh, probably one of the only um, kind of elected official who was speaking at this assembly at uh, the last week of May, so two weeks ago now. And of course, he has come down with COVID. Whether or not he's actually sick, we're not sure. He's just tested positive for COVID-19. Uh, and so I guess he's now being mandated to isolate for 10 days. Meanwhile, 10 days prior, he's globe trotting and jet-setting all across Switzerland to promote the very measures that he's been doing that made him get COVID? Why don't we have a listen to what he said there at the World Health Assembly? He was uh, promoting Canada's COVID response, of course, the masking, the vaccinations, the isolation, and really focusing on the strengthening of the World Health Organization, because I guess they've had a really good, strong COVID response um, at the very onset of the World Health Assembly. You can see Director General Tedros. You can check out my Twitter feed. You have to go back a little bit, but um, he gives some opening remarks that show really concerning trends for all-cause mortality that in and of itself might lend to the fact that their measures and the things that they instituted caused more harm than they did good. I mean, we only have the data coming out now, so there's really no way to to know in 2020 when unprecedented restrictions started to come into place that these things would be devastating, but we certainly can lend an ear and an eye to see now what the effect was and the fallout on it. So the fact that our health minister was, you know, gallivanting in Switzerland to reinforce and further strengthen the WHO through their World Health Assembly uh, really concerned me at least. These people all look like vampires familiars too, by the way. Like <laughs> like the people who like suck up to vampires and eat bugs, they all look like that, like sickly, malnourished, afraid of the light. Um, that's what they all look like, every single one of these people. Anyway, we have the clip. <laughs> in too many places around the world, COVID-19 continues to claim lives that could otherwise be saved. Collectively, we need to muster the necessary means to continue the fight and adequately prepare for whatever may come next, as the emerging monkeypox outbreaks remind us all. Canada will continue to support equitable access to vaccines through COVAX around the world as vaccine production and deployment everywhere oh i'm sorry the top of his head was really shiny there 
So, so I, I caught me off guard. I'm like, wait, has Sheila been taking over by aliens here? What's happening? No, um, his head was really, really shiny. <laughs> I wonder how Minister Duplo adequately prepared for his trip to Switzerland by being probably, I imagine, boosted. So triple vaccinated against COVID. Yeah. Undoubtedly wearing his mask, at least while the cameras were on and he wasn't speaking because the virus is that smart. Um, and yet he he may be adequately prepared. I would hope so. He's telling everyone else that we have to adequately prepare. And then he got covid so yeah. <laughs> that you literally just can't make this stuff up anymore. It speaks for itself, the hypocrisy and the nonsense and the illogical response measures uh, being imposed on all of us. It, yeah. I, I really just can't make sense. There are no words. Well, and he's on a plane, probably with COVID. Not that the government cares about that data. They don't collect it. They told us they don't collect data of whether or not outbreaks happen on planes and I'm not mad about that but they're the ones instilling all these policies that would lead us to believe that they have data that outbreaks happen on planes but they just don't collect it um, because it is the one cudgel by which they can use to punish the non-compliant and that's really what this is this guy was ostensibly contagious on a plane but because he followed what Justin Trudeau told him to do He's virtuous enough to get on that plane, but perfectly healthy, unvaccinated people, some of which have robust natural immunity, they could not have been on the same plane because science. And I know we're getting dangerously close to questioning the advice of a public health officer, but the fact remains that he was potentially infectious on a plane, but it's fine. But a perfectly healthy person, that's dangerous. They can't be on a plane. And... And really, when you look at it that way, the only reason they're doing this is because it is the one thing they can do to punish the people who didn't listen to the government. And that's really what this comes down to. Yeah, I agree. And I'll have actually a full report on you know how they're ensuring moving forward. And they've been ensuring over the last two years that you become compliant, even if you may not feel compelled to be compliant. They're going to modify your behavior through the use of these nudges and these techniques and these instruments and building the architecture is what they're calling it the health public health architecture to ensure that in future you will comply with whatever the world yeah. health organization deems as necessary and if you don't well then yeah you'll face you'll be punished for your non-compliance you'll be you'll be you'll it'll be called your privileges. Your privileges will be taken away from you because they're not privileges, they're rights. And anyone who speaks that way and uses that language really deeply concerns me now and especially moving forward because this won't be specific to just pandemic response. I, I listened in on many of the discussions and the debates, if you could even call it a debate, um, and the roundtables yeah. at the World Health Assembly. Bunch this of people agreeing with each other. <laughs> yeah, just again, various levels of agreement. Oh, I agree, but oh, I agree, but not not quite and. as far or <laughs> or further. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. This is going to be used from anything to sports events, and of course, we know the climate emergency that we have looming mm -hmm. ahead of us. Um, I thought we were supposed to run out of oil. What twenty two years ago was it? The year two thousand. Yep. 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 <laughs> yeah, uh, we actually, uh, you mentioned behavior modification. So to modify behavior, they have to 
identify the behavior, the problematic behavior. Mm -hmm. And they were doing that through tracking our cell phones. We actually have a clip of that in case people think we're being crazy and making this up. The Public Health Agency of Canada confirmed media reports just before Christmas that it had secretly accessed location data for 33 million mobile devices to monitor the movement of Canadians during COVID-19. That number represents roughly 87% of the population who were spied on without any knowledge that the government was accessing their data. Public Health Agency of Canada officials were forced to admit this had occurred after a request for proposal was published with a call for interest in continuing a program of collecting data That's for up to five more years. The public health... So that's my story. For those people who say that we are not real journalists, um, what ripped the lid off that story was I poke around the request for proposal website. Sounds boring, but you get major stories there. Uh, this is actually the follow-up uh, access to information on this. But what happened was we were poking around on that and we saw this request for proposal for a interested contractor to continue a program of tracking cell phones. And so I did a story saying they're looking for someone to continue a program to track our cell phones. Does that mean they were already doing it? Obviously, mm -hmm. right? So then they started asking questions in the House of Commons. The opposition parties got a hold of it and they uh, quizzed the uh, public health agency who admitted, yes, we have been tracking 33 million cell phone users in the country and we were asking someone to continue doing it. And then so we subsequently filed for access to information to find out which uh, cell phone companies, I want to use the right word here, were collaborators in the spying. Um, and TELUS was one of them. So this, for those people who say that we're not real journalists, this international story was broken by my boredom and nosiness poking around on the website I look at every single day for about 15 minutes before I start my day. And thank goodness yeah. for that, too. And that op opposition were, it was able to push back and speak out against it because otherwise everyday Canadians would have no idea. And arguably, many of the mainstreamists, as I call it, those dedicated yeah. watchers of the mainstream media, they still have no idea that this stuff is happening. And that's deeply concerning, especially as they shift into more... Uh, primary public health responses like this that are geared specifically their first line of defense is going to be behavior modification and I like I said I'll have a full report out on that uh, I hope by the end of today maybe tomorrow but you can hear if unless unless anyone's watching and, and listening and paying attention um, the journalist who is moderating this specific roundtable she says, and Canada has been doing this work for decades. Isn't that right, Teresa Tam? And, you know, unless you pick up on that for decades, they've already been doing it. This isn't anything new. They're just refining yeah. the process and, and tying up the loose ends. It's really, really concerning that the government could have that kind of control over the population, unbeknownst to even them, because your behavior is being modified so subliminally with this messaging and these, obviously these restrictions coupling that, um, that people who, unless you're th thinking critically or seeking alternative news or media sources, you will have no idea that this is happening to you. 
oh, I'm so full of conspiracy theories. Like when I think about this stuff, I think, okay, well, MK Ultra is like half a century old, maybe a little older. Do you think they stopped or do you think they just got yeah. better and more mm -hmm. sinister at doing the things that they were trying to do back then with LSD and brainwashing? Um, it's pretty easy now. You got the TV, you got social media. Um, which asks, acts as like a video lottery terminal, you know, like I, the reason video lottery terminals are so addictive is because it gives disappointment with stimulating images and then uh, gratification. So it'll pay out sometimes. And that's why people get addicted to it. And when you look at how social media likes and views and clicks and mm -hmm. and the disappointment coupled with the sometimes things going viral, um, it's the same thing. It does the same thing to the inside of your brain. And it's pretty sinister. And when you can get the government to sort of ingratiate itself into that system, it's it's kind of scary. Um, we actually have, uh, Efron found a clip of the travel minister, Omar Al-Jabra. Mm -hmm. uh, his name is so fun to say. Um, and Justin Trudeau talking about the travel delays, it sounds like. Oh, here's Al-Jabra, yeah. And what the vaccine goblin. mandate that is in place for people who are traveling domestically. Uh, what, what is your justification, your government's justification for, for keeping that in place? Uh, Vashi, look, uh, all, many jurisdictions around the world or in Canada at home with different provinces continue to have vaccine mandates. I just traveled to Germany. I just traveled to the United States. And both countries had a vaccine mandate at, the, at their borders. So uh, the vaccine is proven. To I understand at the border. I'm just asking domestically. I, I completely well, understand it's, it's, for the border. Yeah. Vashi, it's all guided by our desire to protect the health and safety of Canadians. Obviously, these measures will always be reassessed and assessed, and we are constantly having discussions with our experts about when is the right time to adjust this measure or that measure. The same applies for domestic travel. These measures are, again, done to protect the health and safety of Canadians, just like mask wearing as well on airplanes, on trains. These are done to protect the health and safety of Canadians. There will be a time when these measures will be adjusted or lifted. But we want to do, we want to always err on the side of safety, Avashi, and I think Canadians expect the responsible government to do so. He's the worst. You know, they have uh, 220 million vaccine doses uh, for the next two years. So for I think it's for 2022 and 2023. And so that should be a good indicator that we're not getting out of this um, tyranny of rail and train travel restrictions anytime soon. They have to find a way to uh, beat people over the head until they get those uh, vaccine doses in their arm. That's what I think. Yeah, especially as we've seen the uptake of the consecutive doses, so the booster, the third shot, and thereafter is just extremely low Flat, compared yeah. to what it was for the first and the second. And I guess they are still in some ways coercing people to go out and get those first and second doses. I spoke to a pilot just recently who's held out this long, but unfortunately he needs to make a choice now to go back to work or to switch careers entirely. He has a young family. Yep. He has a brand new home that they built in 2020 or 2019. Uh, that he will not be able to support without sustain sustaining that wage that he had prior. And so he has complied with his first dose and will is looking toward getting the second one in order to resume his line of work. Um, 
It's a Which choice. Is just really, a choice. Yeah. And that's what his employer said. Well, you have the choice to continue to work here or you can go or find lose another your home. job. Yeah. 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 Or lose yeah, your don't home. Feed your kids. Your kids can go hungry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was something else I wanted to um, talk about, but I think it just completely escaped my mind. Oh, no. Now I remember. Um, have you ever looked at the travel exemptions for people traveling through Canada, but not stopping? Have you looked at that? So if no, you are traveling from some, okay. So if you are traveling through Canada, so let's say you're traveling from, I don't know, let's say India or uh, the UK. Let's say you're traveling from the UK, someplace where you don't have a vaccine mandate to get on a plane. So you're traveling from the UK, you go to Toronto, then you go from Toronto to Vancouver because you're traveling to I don't know, Vietnam, where they also don't have a vaccine pass or a mandate to get on a plane. If you are traveling through Canada, you don't have to be vaccinated. So if you're coming from a place where you could get on a plane unvaccinated, landing in Toronto, going to Vancouver, getting on another plane to go somewhere where you don't have to be vaccinated, you don't have to be vaccinated. But so on that connecting flight from Toronto to Vancouver, you could be unvaccinated as a foreign national traveling through Canada on a connecting flight, but Canadians on the same flight have to all be vaccinated. Why? I guess because they get to leave the airport, but you get to leave the airport, you know, like if you got on a car and drove to that same city, you could also wander around that city unvaccinated. So it's not, again, it's not about the science because connecting foreign nationals who are coming from jurisdictions without a vaccine mandate and going to a jurisdiction without a vaccine mandate don't have to be vaccinated on a Canadian airline. So they can essentially Science. stop over, mingle with all the people on the flight, mingle in the airport, you know, mm-hmm. uh, super spread is what they were calling this in 2020, 2021. Um, yeah. They can yep. just be these walking super spreaders potentially and do so unabated. Meanwhile, as you said, Canadians, everyday Canadians, no, there's not a chance. You can't even enter an airport, uh, potentially. Yeah, no, Ezra, our boss, Ezra, cannot fly from Toronto to Vancouver to check on the Vancouver team to say, hey, good job, guys. I'm here in person to tell you you're doing a good job. He can't do that. But if you were a British citizen flying to Vietnam, you could take that same flight. I found it pretty funny, too, that uh, the minister there, Omar, decided to just cherry pick the two. I believe those are one of the only the remaining two countries who have vaccine mandates in place, the United States and Germany. So he chose to highlight those two places of travel instead of the dozens of other countries worldwide that have said either said no from the onset and never did anything like Mexico or have since said, okay, well, the science doesn't make sense. Yeah. So we're not, we're not playing this theater anymore. Well, and as Vashi points out, sometimes she's good. Um, she points out that, okay, but what about domestic travelers? Like you can hop on a flight yes. in in the States and get around wherever you want unvaccinated. Why is it different for Canadians? If we're following their science, like if he points out, okay, well, the US science is good. That's why Mm -hmm. they have these border restrictions. What's different about their science uh, regarding domestic flight than ours? And we can go, we can hop in a car and do all of those things in a vehicle, but just flying air and rail travel that's where the super spreading happens apparently but not if you're a foreign national just stopping over 
temporarily. Yeah, just flying through our airport. <laughs> yeah, it's no big deal. Um, I don't know. I think if we, we had a clip of Trudeau. Clip of, yeah, we did. Oh, no. Some criticism of the communication around the reasoning hasn't been transparent. Well, the reality is, as much as people would like to pretend we're not, we're still in a mm -hmm. pandemic. Like there him. are Canadians who die every single day because of COVID-19 in our hospitals. Uh, we are still at risk, we're particularly at risk uh, as, uh, as fall approaches of new variants. Um, we need to make sure we're doing everything we can to keep Canadians safe. And I know people are eager to get back to things we love. But what will also you know, further damage our tourism industry is if we get another wave, if we get uh, more uh, serious impacts from COVID. That's why every single time we have been anchored in science, uh, we're reflecting on what the best way to do to make sure that we can get back to the things we love as quickly as possible without putting ourselves at risk for further health crises, for further economic shutdowns, for either, further hardship that COVID has caused. Oh, his gosh, voice just... is like it's like somebody putting a wet finger in my ear like wet willy trudeau so gross i love that he says anchored in science but it's only in canada that the science is really is really different and also it really concerns me too that he says as we look toward the fall it's like we literally just started june <laughs> we have the whole yeah. summer I, it makes me really yeah. nervous what's going to happen September, October, based on the outlandish things that he is already saying. I mean, we're, we hadn't even, I think that was the first day of June, maybe that he said that. Yeah. I'm like, let's get through the summer first here. What are you doing? Monkeypox. <laughs> That's what's coming. They're just Monkey waiting. Monkeypox yeah. is coming. They're just waiting. They're waiting Monkey for it to working. Yeah, they're waiting for it to replicate rapidly so that it can be the pandemic that they need to just justify this all over again and more tracking and more app downloading. You know <sighs> what? I think monkeypox also spreads in a way that is conducive to a lot of liberals getting it. I feel like it spreads through like constant touching of strangers and bodily fluid exchanges and I think that's how monkeypox will get you. So I'm, I'm, I'll be fine. Like, I'll be Which fine. Trudeau does. Like we see him, we see him out schmoozing at all the events. Yeah, groping. traveling. You know, he visits the Queen. Yeah, he visits the Queen. He's in a lot uh, of women a on a lot of a lot of women on the hill are going to have monkeypox marks on their butt from <laughs> Justin Trudeau's hands. They experienced it differently, Sheila. That's right. Uh, we Speaking of experiencing office. things differently, yeah. I guess a lot of parents are okay with their children being exposed to highly sexualized trans or um, drag wearing individuals. And so that seems to be a hot topic as some videos went viral of these poor young children, like under 10 year old children, not that being over 10 makes that any better, but these are little tiny children in a bar stuffing dollar bills into the bikini, cheeky bikini bottom wearing drag males bums. It's just absolutely horrifying. I, it would make me murderous. Like if somebody exposed my child to this. Yeah. I would be in jail. I would be in jail. I try not to physically react to things, 
but I would be swinging my purse around like a windmill if somebody did this to one of my kids, like took them and exposed them and hypersexualized them at a young age. Like kids are only little for so mm -hmm. long and mm -hmm. all the forces of the world want them to grow up too soon. TV, social media, education, they want to expose them to this stuff way too soon before they can even contemplate what it means. And I'm exactly. old enough to remember, like you cannot purchase pornography, physical pornography till you're 18, right? But you can get it at a drag show. You can get it on the internet any day of the week at any mm -hmm. age. And that is a real problem. And so for when parents expose kids to this, when teachers expose kids to this, they do it because they want an attaboy pat on the back because they're so progressive, mm -hmm. but they don't yeah. realize the extreme damage they are doing to these little ones. They're trading immediate gratification for themselves for stripping a child of innocence way too soon. Mm -hmm. I, I agree. Got some I think that from one. Yeah, we have some Sorry, tweets and some clips. Let's check them out. There's pedophiles inside. That's what we're protesting. You don't want to go inside with pedophiles. I gotta show you actually. I don't mind Degeneracy. Degenerate scum. Yeah. Let me find him a full bottle of water. Okay. Okay, so this was, sorry, if you want to just put the mute down. Okay, so this was um, Juan Mendoza Diaz, our uh, Texas slash Florida based reporter. He was at a Turning Point USA event over the weekend, and we heard that up the road, there was a drag performance for little kids because, as you know, it is Pride season, not Pride Month or Pride Week or Pride Parade. It's a season now. Um, and so I guess after Pride season, we get monkeypox season. But anyway, um, the, they heard that there was a drag performance in a bar. Little kids should not be in a bar, by the way. But they mm -hmm. had a drag performance in a bar where little kids were and people were outraged. Yeah, this is Texas. So they went up there to uh, sort of meet uh, the, I, I guess, the pro side with some opposition. And um, it's always childless weirdos, isn't it? Always childless weirdos yeah. who want to show this stuff to somebody else's kids. Mm -hmm. And I think I saw somewhere too, and I don't know if um, it's been substantiated yet, but that the police were called and they did end up removing the children from the bar. I don't know if Thank that God. is accurate or if you if you have any insight, Sheila, but yeah, it's like, okay, finally some police are doing their due diligence and their jobs here. Let's keep, let's keep these little kids safe. What are they doing in a bar? I mean, even locally, there's a distillery and, you know, my husband and I were out for a drive over the weekend and I said, oh, we should check that place out for dinner one night and, and bring the kids. And he was like, it's a distillery. I don't think that that is appropriate to bring your children. And okay, then you look come at, back here's the little kids. Yeah. And you see this. It's not going to lick itself. They tell me that, okay, this is the thing that really bothers me. So there's Alex Stein. Can we just pause Alex Stein for a second? See that in the back? They tell me, proponents of drag and showing drag kids for some reason, they tell me I shouldn't be so uptight about this stuff because it's an art form. And it's not sexualized. It's an art form. 
Have you ever paid attention to the names of drag performers? They're usually some sexual innuendo. And then they have this stuff in the background. So even if we set aside the fact that you are gyrating in next to nothing, wearing womanhood like a costume, even Mm -hmm. if we set aside that, tell me this is not sexualized. Why are there these little innocent little dollies in this bar watching this stuff? Why? What are we not doing just to the watching. next generation of human beings? They're not just watching it, Sheila. If you keep if you keep going on this clip, they are actively participating in it. This child reaches out and puts money in the bottoms of this drag queen. It's absolutely horrific. They're not just sitting by the sidelines going, okay, this I guess is fun because there's music and dancing. They are putting dollar bills in the underwear of these women appropriating mentally unstable people. I just, this makes me furious. My 13 year old, she turns off Law and Order SVU when we're watching it because sometimes there's yelling or she's like, this is not appropriate for eight o'clock in the evening. <laughs> you guys can watch this after I go to bed. Like she doesn't, I just, I can't even fathom bringing my children to this. They would be horrified. They would be, I think my middle mm-hmm. one would probably be the most weirded out. She's the most modest of all three of them. <laughs> but I just, yeah. I, I just, I just don't know. I, I don't know what's the purpose of, bringing your little kids to this even if you think that this is an art form even if you think like this is an accepting society and and whatever this is an adult bar where adults are doing Mm -hmm. adult things adult suggestive things why do you Mm -hmm. have your little ones in there where it sure the police if the police and did did indeed remove those kids okay fine but where's the follow-up from social services because we really need to do an examination of those households yeah, these this is these are acts that would traditionally you would have your children taken away, confiscated out of your care by Children's Aid Society. This is yeah, we're too busy stealing kids away from we're too busy stealing kids away from their parents because of vaccination status, though. But this stuff is yeah. fine. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's, we have we are truly in an upside down world, and if people think that this is specific to the United States, where this particular clip and event happened. You might be mistaken because I found on the social media platform of one of my, a local small business where I'm from in Northumberland County. So small town of Colberg. Wait, just look at this before we get into it. Look, this, the child is putting out money and they're, they're dancing for the children. I mean, this is so gross. If you were a reasonable drag performer, by the way, if you're reasonable, if you thought that what you're doing was an art form, I'm, I think there may be some of those people out there. Why wouldn't you say I'm not performing till these little ones are out? Exactly. And I think there are a lot of them that don't agree with this. But then, of course, you get the really unstable ones who I, I don't even I can't even justify it in my in my mind how you could ever come to the conclusion that this would be an appropriate use of a child's time. Like there are drag performers, yeah. Like if there are drag performers out there who are saying, "I I won't perform in front of little kids," I want to hear from them because um, I'm sure they're yeah. out there. They have to be out there. I'm sure there are people out there who say, "Yeah, I do drag, but um, never, never in front of little ones." Mm-hmm. And these aren't these, these aren't you know these youth. people don't they're have not... those qualms. 
They're not 12 to 18. These are like seven-year-old children. There's a baby. It's a baby. Did you see There's that? There's a baby. <gasps> There's a baby. This is horrific. Oh, I have no words. Yikes. So this is not a United States specific phenomenon either. So in the small town that I am close to in Coburg, Ontario, uh, population, I don't know, in and around 20,000 people. So it's fairly small oriented now. There is a uh, pride event taking place at a local dance establishment and dance in and of itself. I have issues with a lot of the costumes and the things that they do. So it's not a shocker to me that they've organized this event at a dance studio. Um, but it's, it's being advertised as a family friendly drag event. Friends, family, Hold on, allies, Tamara. welcome. Hold on. There ha they have bounty castles and I'm reliably informed by the federal <laughs> government that those are the tools of terrorists. So I guess bounty castles are okay um, when you're exposing kids to sexualized materials before their time, um, but bounty castles when you are trying to fight tyranny as a family, bad idea. That's my takeaway. Yeah, well, and right beside it, you'll see that they are featuring drag story time. And then uh, this will all be followed by a family-friendly drag show from 6 to 7 p.m. And oh, to be a fly on the wall. This is a private event, so it's private property. And it's you can see that it's sponsored and supported by some various uh, places below. Um, but this is being all organized by this dance studio. And... Oh, I just, I just can't even believe that families are more families are not speaking up against this. I don't know who the drag people will be that take place, what their names are, if they have provocative names, but to be promoting this idea that children need to have this drag story time with again women appropriating individuals, just it's so bizarre that we are here. Are we really living? in these times. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny because everyone's like, the slippery slope isn't a real thing. No. <laughs> it, it is, it is, it's here. Um, we should throw to that Alex Stein um, clip. So Alex Stein sort of, uh, I don't want to say he does stunts, but he's fun and he is the guy who goes to speak at the um, city councils. And, uh, you know, he mm -hmm. one time he went as a female swimmer and he's pretty, it, his stunts are funny. They're funny. Um, so he went to cover this. So we have a clip of him because I think he was, he tried to go to the Turning Point USA event too. But um, I guess he can frighten people because you don't know what he's going to do. So maybe that's why they didn't let him in. So he went to this instead. Okay, there's... Yeah, Efron tells me there's mild swearing here, so just, if you made it this far, beware. So Alex oh, is right, in the- yes. Yeah, you can see that they're not stable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, you have to be, edited, you have to be the, the weird sexuality involved with okay, it all, look. you would have to... Uh, pedophile! Pedophile! Yeah. Pedophile! Pedophile! 
Pedophiles. 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 Okay, let's Pedophiles. let's cut to the uh, unedited clip. But yeah, if you, this is nothing to do with sexuality so much as pedophiles. Pedophiles. Yes, friend of children. I'm gonna use. Yeah, well, it's the sexuality and the sexualization of children. That's the problem. Yeah. Like you said, they're only little for so long. They have this innocence and it's just they have their whole lives to be adults and to figure it out and to have their rational, logical brain developed and working. Let's just let them be little kids. Yeah. Yeah. And we have to remember, this is the same side of the equation that's like, you shouldn't own a gun until you're 21, but we can put you on puberty blockers at 11, you know, because mm -hmm. you, you can't... <laughs> They, on one on one side, they think that you can, you're you're literally never an adult, but on the other side, you're old enough to make life altering decisions for the rest of your life at eleven, before your brain's Gross. even partly developed in the frontal cortex. Yeah. Um, well, you we haven't even talked. You watch. Yeah, but before we go on, you watched what is a woman over mm -hmm. the weekend, right? Mm -hmm. um, my favorite part well I have a lot of favorite parts of that movie by Matt Walsh but it is when he is so you can see him doing it and he's so clever he's setting a trap for that one doctor about puberty blockers and so he's asking her these sort of not I mean they're interrogative but you can't tell where he's going with it until he says like yeah you, Lupron is one of those um mm -hmm. puberty blockers right and she's like yeah definitely and and she's like, and the beauty of putting kids on puberty blockers is that it's completely reversible. And then he goes, but Lupron's the drug that they used to permanently chemically castrate sex offenders, right? And she's like, uh, I think this conversation's over. Because he mm -hmm. set that trap for her when they all say, you know what? We're just delaying puberty until we figure these things out. We're just delaying puberty for these kids. But you're not. You're lying to them. You're chemically castrating mm -hmm. them like they're sex offenders. And you're telling their parents and you're telling them it's a reversible thing that you're doing. And he beautifully set that trap for her. Yeah. And the language that she used, too, in that particular interview, she said, we'll put a pause on it so we can just press play whenever it is uh whenever they're prepared to do that and to, to resume with their puberty. And he was like, no, no, no. And, and then, you know, instead of being able to debate and defend the position, they've got to shut down the interview. It just, you can't go any yeah. further because that you can't attest to, you can't, you can't answer for this treatment of these poor, innocent children who aren't being given their true informed consent. So we've seen that through the COVID narrative as well. This just uh, complete collapse of what has been previously veiled or previously held as a mandatory medical uh, free giving people you know free knowledge of understanding the risk versus the benefit that's just been completely pushed to the wayside disregarded and you're seeing this also with the 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 trans community and these doctors who some of the things that they say, I'm just, I don't know how Matt Walsh keeps a straight face during these interviews because I'm on the other side of it watching just like gawking at the screen. Are they, is this stuff really coming out of their mouths? And these are the people, psychiatrists 
that one psychiatrist, she said, well, I don't know because I'm not a woman and you're, and I'm thinking you're not. And then you're, you're the person who's supposed to be speaking to these innocent children who are trying to navigate this wildly confusing topic. I, I mean, no wonder we're facing yeah. the society that we are, that these kids are coming out even more confused than they were before. Look who they're talking to. Yeah, I think this is the satanic panic of our time. And don't get me wrong, I believe the devil is behind a lot of things. But uh, in the 80s with the satanic panic scare where people were going to jail because they were people were testifying in court that um, you know daycare workers were part of satanic ritual abuse cults and people mm-hmm. went to jail. And it was this mass hysteria that was signal boosted by the beginning of the 24-hour news cycle, TV talk shows like Oprah, Donahue, Sally, Jesse, Raphael. I'm really dating myself here. But, um, and it became part of something that everybody believed. And if you didn't believe it, you were the crazy one until years later, facts and evidence came out and the world was like, holy crap, people went to jail for this and they were completely innocent. I think this is a new version of that and it's made worse by internet censorship, social media. So all those other things that made it worse, plus internet censorship, social media, academia, schools, teachers, Mm -hmm. unions, all those things. It's that much worse and it's that much faster moving. And I think it's more devastating for a generation of kids. And I know Efron's like, get to chats, uh, talk about the UCP thing. And we will. (laughs) No, no, it's okay. We're moms. We could talk about the sinister things people want to do to little children all day long. We should talk real quick about Kyle Rittenhouse because it was in the YouTube headline. So Kyle Rittenhouse, his lawyer plans to sue Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg and a slew of each uh, of at least 10 other people. I think Whoopi Goldberg's going to get hers too, which is going to be great. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, I know there were original musings that he was considering uh, a suit against Biden. Um, This kid's life would have been ruined if he didn't have a good lawyer. And um, thank God for video because video really saved him. Um, And Mm -hmm. anyways, he is uh, his lawyer. uh, What's his lawyer's name? Todd McMurty uh, told Fox News Digital that he's hired to head the effort to determine whom to sue. Not if we're going to sue, but who we're going to sue when to sue and where to sue. And I I heard over the weekend that he was sort of inspired by Johnny Depp suing to get his reputation back. And I've got opinions on the Johnny Depp thing. I, I don't know how they thought that that could have worked out any differently when you leave your partner of, you know, a decade and a half for a younger version and then you throw drugs and hedonism in the mix and you're like, did you really think that was going to end without feces on a bed and your fingertip missing? Like, I just, how, how else was that going to turn out? But anyway, uh, all things considered, she's a liar and a crazy person. And uh, I think, you know, it. you have to fight back. And Nick Sandman, mm-hmm. uh, the Covington Catholic School kid, was a great example of that. So I really look forward to that. I really do. I can't well, wait until everybody gets there. I think that Rebel has garnered a connection there also with Kyle Rittenhouse. So hopefully we can stay on the beat of how that develops as it moves forward. Yeah, we have some visuals here of one uh, interviewing Kyle. So I'm not sure when that will come out. 
Um, but I hope that a connection has been garnered and we can stay on top of that because as we see too, more and more people becoming aware of and interested in the US politics, you know, and the, of course, all of our public servants and elected officials seem to want to virtue signal to every flavor of political, the political day that happens in the US and bring it over and transfer it here into Canada. Uh, so it's nice to have someone on the beat there as well to give us that inside other side of the story. Yeah, and I think there, there's a moral of the story here too. And it's, I think part of the Rebel News philosophy is um, we don't let lies about us just stand and hang there and then become just part of the accepted truth about us. When people say things that are untrue about us, we're probably going to sue you. When you attack our journalists, uh, we're also going to sue you. We're, we'll see you in court, I think is part, that should be the tagline. Uh, telling the other side <laughs> of the story, we'll see you in court. Um, because it's important to fight back because eventually mm. that just becomes the accepted part of your reputation, even if it's not true. And people will say, well, if it wasn't true, why didn't you do something about it? So we always do something about it. Um, we've got one more little thing to talk about because I will get angry emails if I don't, um, UCP announcement tomorrow on Tuesday, Todd Lowen is running to replace Jason Kenny. He, he's got his campaign launch party tomorrow, but unfortunately I can't not, I cannot be there because I have to be in court in Calgary. So I've got an eight hour commute tomorrow <laughs> for my job. So four hours there, in court all day, four hours back, hopefully train a, a journalist in Calgary who can sit in court the rest of the week for me. So I don't have to come back because I have other things to do, but Todd Lowen tomorrow, it's the official leadership campaign launch party and he's officially registered with election Al elections Alberta. And the reason this is interesting is Todd was kicked out of the party by Jason Kenney for being an outspoken critic of how Jason Kenney handled COVID, handled civil liberties, handled the churches. And now Jason Kenney is gone. And guess who's running to replace him? The guy who kicked him out. And he is hugely popular in his writing. And I think his writing is like the size of several small European countries. So, so it's, it covers a huge part of Alberta, but it is a more rural riding. But people love him there. Um, they stood by him when he was kicked out. And um, I'm excited to see uh, how he does because he will really bring forward those things that cost Jason Kenney the leadership that prompted him to resign. He's going to keep those issues in the forefront because I think the treatment of civil liberties in this province, it's the reason Jason Kenney didn't make that two thirds of the party um, number to continue on as leader. So the don't send me any irony. emails, people. <laughs> the bittersweet irony in all of this is really fun to watch unfold. And you know that mm. all the people who were kicked out of caucus, whether it be the UCP or here in Ontario, the PC conservatives, which I think there was like four over COVID, but nine total since 2019 yeah. or 2018 rather. Um, you know that those are the, the super principled conservatives who are going to be the ones who are actually representing their constituents and bringing their concerns forward and not afraid to toe the party line and, and the constitution in order to represent yeah. the people who elected them. And so I love seeing this bittersweet irony unfold uh, as more dominoes seem to fall in the failed COVID response narrative. And nobody loves a good I told you so like me. 
Nobody. And so, <laughs> Ditto. And so when I see this, Ditto. I'm just like, yep, he told you so. I told you so. Albertans told you so. And now you need a new job, Jason Kenny. <laughs> so um, that's that. We should get to some of these chats because we are already uh, six minutes past the top of the hour. And um, yes. my day is a busy disaster. And I think yours is too. So um, we've got Mick3CA. Gives us, uh, is this today? Yes. Gives us a buck. On July 1st, eBay will tax Canadians on nearly everything they buy. What a sneaky way for Trudeau to make money. I will email details to your tips line. Trudeau needs to be sued. I don't know. You can't sue him, but you can raise awareness. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of people who send me emails and it's like, we need to charge this. We need to lay charges on someone criminally. And I'm like, ah, that's not how it works, you guys. It's not how it works. Um, I feel like I should do like a, a civics series of like, this is how um, a no confidence motion works. And this is you how should. the house falls on confidence. And, and this is how things become an, a matter of confidence in the House of Commons. And I, I really should, because I think there's a lot of confusion. People hear these words and, there is. and yeah, and they, they just, you know, it's, it's from so long ago. It's like grade six civics. Nobody paid attention. <laughs> like nobody, nobody well, pays and attention. Canada's system, our system is confusing. I mean, if you don't have a grasp on it, there is a lot and there's so many, it's multi-leveled and uh, it can be a, a lot to follow and understand. I mean, as even evidenced, so many of the constituents or the, the candidates, the political candidates this year in the Ontario election in particular were voiced to me how, how shocked they were that their constituents didn't know there was a difference between provincial and federal elections. They thought Roman Baber, they were going to vote for Roman Baber in the provincial election. They didn't realize that there yeah. was two different things happening simultaneously. And so to know that, and these are, you know, middle-aged people not aware yeah. of how elections are running in Ontario and the country and Canada as a whole. Uh, so I think that there was yeah. definitely a need for better education that way, how to get involved politically and what the various levels are in place in order to do that. Yeah. And I think even things that are federal jurisdiction versus provincial jurisdiction where those lines yes. fall down and why we get upset when the feds overstep and who we need to hold to account. There was a lot of people mm -hmm. who were angry with us um, who said, you know, like you didn't ask them this question at the leaders debate. And it's like, well, because it's a, not a federal issue. Like yes. I could ask that question, but then they would turn around and say, take it up with your MLA, you know? Like, mm -hmm. so I think exactly. maybe I should do like a Prager U style uh, civics course for everybody just so that I've put the marker down and because, you know, and it's not to say that people are stupid. They just, you never cared about this stuff before because you're too mm -hmm. busy having a job and taking care of your kids until, uh, you know, politics, some people, you don't care about politics till politics cares about you. And that's when you get involved. And I think over the yeah. last two years, a lot of people have had that experience. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mick3CA, um, a buck. Front-end developers that people want to hire are asked to use unnecessary tools to get work done. It's like asking one to create a basic stop sign by using lit, colorful Christmas lights in the daytime. Fraser McBurney, our Fight the Fines recidivist who just loves his caps lock. He's on <laughs> giving us five bucks and says, the world has gone mad. This morning I got an email from Super Drug Mart stating, put pride in your life 
and showing the pride flag. Well, as for me, I will never shop in Super Drug Mart again, as Pat Burns used to say. What say you? You know, I, I, I really don't care what these um, companies do. I just find it ridiculous and mm -hmm. pointless. Like, I was talking to David last week as though he even knows what Bath and Body Works is. But I was like, yeah, let's see if they got some candles on sale. I got an email. Check out our new stuff. So I'm like, I will. I like my house to smell like cookies and cinnamon and stuff like that. So, um, but no, I open it up and it's like pride flags, uh, pride body spray, pride candles. And I'm like, what has that got to do with the scent of the candle? Mm -hmm. what, when people come over to your house, they're like smells like pride in here like I, I just yeah. I don't know I don't know the point I don't know why any of these companies do this stuff you go to Walmart and it's like pride cowboy hats and pride beer koozies and I just I I don't know who's buying this stuff like so you go to the parade so you have to have your parade costume whatever mm -hmm. but Slash I just think naked. this is a real yeah or yeah we saw what they wear um so I don't understand the point I guess it's because everybody feels like they have to buy this stuff because it's like the AIDS ribbon, right? The Kramer wearing the AIDS ribbon. You have to wear the AIDS ribbon. You have to wear the ribbon. And so they put the stuff in the stores and it's just, it's shameless marketing, right? Like they know mm -hmm. that people are going to buy this to prove how virtuous they are. So they just crank it out every single year regardless. And I yeah. don't think the companies actually care. It's another Hallmark holiday in the making, really. And I do yeah. think money talks. So if you're if you're really displeased with the way a direction a company's going or, you know, how they, you know, for instance, there are places, sadly, mom and pop shops who I will likely not support ever again due to their indiscriminate enforcement of things like masking and vaccine mandates. Um, and so your money does talk in that way. And so if you feel strongly about something, then then absolutely have at it. Boycott all you want. Um, but I do, I, I do think that forcing anything, whether it be from one side or the other, onto the general public, I don't think that that is always a fair approach to take. Well, and it's, it's the acceptance of a company showing their political beliefs seems to only really go one way. As long as you're progressive, it's fine. But if you're anti-lockdown, they will protest you and and destroy your business. They'll write you up in the newspaper saying that you're a grandma killer. Um, you know, if you're a pro-firearms, pro-conservative as a musician or a business, it, you are attacked in the mainstream mm -hmm. media. And even my beloved NASCAR is doing this. They're like, all on the pride bandwagon. And I'm like, that's not why I watch cars going in circles. It's because I can watch cars going in circles and no one exposes me to politics, but it's back. It's back. Mm -hmm. It's, it's mm -hmm. infesting even the things that I like. <sighs> anyway, yeah. oh, let's keep going. Uh, Fraser oh, also Fraser. says his take on the election. Fraser again. He says his take on the election, the conservative party Ford regime does not have a mandate. There are over 2.5 million who cannot bring themselves to vote for any of the political parties. We will never forget. Well, I would disagree with you to say that they don't have a mandate. That's how our parliamentary system works. They won. They have, they have a mandate, but it does speak to just how disengaged people were that I think Ontario saw the lowest voter turnout ever. I think it was mm -hmm. close to 40% versus like close to six. Yeah. Close to 60% when Doug Ford won. So people were really engaged and ready for change when Doug Ford won. Um, and I think the low voter turnout shows that 
nobody really enthused anybody. And a lot of people were casting those Doug Ford votes, those conservative party votes to keep the liberals out and keep the NDP out as opposed to voting in favor of Doug Ford and the gang. Yeah, I said it on the Ezra Levant show as well on Friday that I wonder too if a lot of the really stubborn lefties, those really stubborn liberals and NDP voters, I wonder if they were feeling a little bit politically homeless in this election after yeah. how radically left those two parties went with the passports and the mandates and the business closures. And so instead of leaning into maybe a party switch, they opted rather just to stay home and sit this one out. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of that. A lot of people who are just saying, I'm just, I'm staying home. There's nobody here for me. And the other people were voting just because they saw Del Duca and they're like, why does he Please hate no. highways so much? <laughs> I don't, I, as an outside looking in, I'm like, why does everybody seem to hate highways in Ontario? Like you do need them to get around. And when I was there, the traffic was atrocious. You guys could use more mm -hmm. highways. Um, but no, they really just don't like highways there. It's odd. Um, the next one, uh, Judah Bercy or Judah Bercy. I don't know. Uh, blah, blah, blah. They'll never get me to take this vaccine. They're a bunch of hypocrites and tyrannical. P.S. Switzerland threw, threw all their masks and mandates out. Yeah, we do know that. That the only place where the mask mandate and the vaccine passport was in place was in Davos at the World Economic Forum meetings. Um, and that was to uh, keep the uh, political dissidents out, right? Like mm -hmm. Avi Yamini and Louis Brackpool and the gang. Uh, and you can these see all of our reports are testing there. positive now, so it obviously didn't do yeah. much. Yeah, exactly. And people can see all of our reports from Davos um, at wefreports.com. Becca Henderson says, gives us a buck and says, a tip, a church in my area, this is no surprise, actually. A church in my area, Silver Spire United Church, held a drag event during church for no. the kids. Uh, you know, this is the United Church for you. Uh, as a social worker and exposing kids to sexual content is the first step in grooming. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it it absolutely is. Um, the United Church started off as a great idea. The United Church really only exists in the United Church of Canada, as we know it, only exists in Canada. And the reason is that when people were settling, particularly on the prairies, the United Church is in every small town. Now, nobody goes to them anymore because it's the United Church. But at the time, it was three separate congregations, the Methodist, um, I forget the other one, and another one. And they, that's really why there's no Methodist churches on the prairies. And they all joined together because there wasn't a population base in a town of 75 people to have three different churches. Unless you're like in northeastern Alberta, and like literally the Ukrainian immigrants came and built a church before they built a house. It was like the first wood frame building that they built because you couldn't have your Ukrainian Catholic church as under Soviet rule. You couldn't. It was only one church and that was the Russian Orthodox. So um, these, but because this church is joined of, of these three churches, they sort of shifted away their principles, right? To, to join, right? You can't be Orthodox in one of these congregations if you need to all join together so that you could share the building. So over, I would guess the last, particularly 20 years, the United Church has just it's not even a church anymore. It is 
so far away from Christianity that it is basically a self-help group with pews at this point. It's a, a social place where nobody seems to go anymore. They are they will at one point have more churches than they have members um, because just the they like a real they're at this point they have more real estate than they have congregants. And um, it's so bad in the United Church. And, and it's really, I, I know a little bit about the United Church. My dad was from the United Church because there was no church in the small town where we are. Like we have to travel to like bigger communities or a little bit further away to get to a Catholic church. So my mom rescued my dad from the United Church. Um, so anyways, um, they back, it's probably 10 years ago. When I say they're a self-help church with pews or a self-help group with pews, I, I really mean that. They had a pastor. I think she's still a pastor, Greta Vosper. Um, she's a pastor, avowed atheist. She's an atheist, self-professed atheist, pastoring the United Church. And the United Church was like, okay, I guess. Fine, you'll do. That's not oxymoronic at all. Yeah. So when you say the United Church is doing these sorts of things, not at all shocked whatsoever. Makes perfect sense because this is a congregation, three groups that sort of sacrifice their principles to join together um, that became part of the culture of the church, unfortunately. And now it seems like they're just grasping on some straws to try to stay relevant by hosting drag events for children. Um, and then they say, you know, like, we want to be tolerant and accepting of everybody. Me too, of everybody, but not the sins that they bring with them. I believe Jesus said, you know, go forth and sin no more. Like, <laughs> so once you, like, become a Christian and are forgiven and you receive redemption and, and all those things, the point is that you're supposed to not continue to live in your sin. Um, we're not good at it. <laughs> that's the whole point of forgiveness is that, you know, we don't deserve God's grace, but, um, you're not supposed to, uh, you know, tolerate the sin. You're supposed to tolerate the sinner. Anyway, this is not a theological show, but anyways, they're not a real <laughs> church is what I'm trying to say there. And don't send me emails. I'm sorry if you're still in the United Church, but it's not the church of your grandparents anymore. Um, I think that's it. Are we all caught up? I think so. Okay. Yeah, not seeing anything. Great. Else. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Thank you very much. Uh, Tamara, thanks for filling in for Adam today. You did a great job. And uh, thanks for tolerating my uh, internet problems at the very beginning. Uh, thanks to everybody who works behind the scenes in the office to put a show together um, because there's a lot that goes into making sure that you can even find the live stream before it even goes live. Uh, thanks to Olivia and uh, Efron in the office. Uh, thanks to everybody who threw a little bit of money in to the pot to keep us going for another day. And uh, as David Menzies always says, stay sane. <laughs>